ti. Yeah, when that robot talks, you know it's time to rock wherever you are. And however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC. Okay, I was a little early. I was a little discombobulated. I was a little excited. But that's okay because especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, or maybe you're enjoying your birthday weekend like I am. Whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They are bringing the show to you, and in return, they are getting some cool stuff, including ad-free episodes, video versions of the show, although not this week because Christian's not here to do it, and an entire bonus show we call Paid DLC. That comes out on Wednesdays, and with Christian out for these few weeks, we've been doing uh, special paid DLC shows with... uh, Lana Bashinsky and Danish Syed, friends of the show. It's been tons of fun this last week. You got to get in on that. So check it out over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T. And I am usually joined by Christian Spicer. He is off gallivanting across the country having a summer. So this week, DLC stands for Duo of League Companions because I called up a couple of my buddies, some of my favorite people in the world. It's my birthday weekend, so I wanted to be surrounded by some of my bros. And uh, both of these guys have worked with me, one of them hired me, uh, with the fan-controlled football league. First up, Patrick Dees, the co-founder of fan-controlled football, Video game enthusiast, friend of the show. Welcome back, Patrick Dees. How are you? Jeffrey, what is up? It's great to be back. I'm not going to lie. I am normally one of the geeks and sneaks. I am lacing up my sneakers and I go for a run when I listen to DLC Weekly. Uh, So I'm particularly amped up this week. Uh, And it's been a minute. It's been uh, literally, I had to look this up. It's been about two years since I did the show. July 26, possible. 2020. That can't and be it was, No, and the reason I remember it was because it was really, we had been living with COVID. I mean, you're very memorable. DLC is one of my favorite shows, all of those things. But it was July 26th and that like loneliness of COVID had just started creeping in. And I was so excited to talk to somebody else, just be here. And then the very <laughs> next week, my, my, uh, my, my, my companion on the show this week, Khalif did the show the following week. So I listened to, to Khalif talk to you about games and, uh, it was it was a comfort during the dark COVID time. So excited to be back! Well, you uh, yeah you 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 said it. We have uh, as our our third companion on the show this week uh, another of my favorite people. Uh, you know him from Spawn on Me, uh, many appearances on this show, and as the host of the People's Pregame, the uh, the the companion show to Fan Controlled Football on NBC LX. Khalif Adams, welcome back to the show. How are you? 
What up, everybody? I hope you're all doing well. Thank you so much for having me and, and letting me rock with you all uh, here tonight. Uh, extremely excited to be with you both and, and, and hanging. It's just always fun to get a chance to, to be with you both and, and especially two of my favorite people. And happy birthday weekend. I'm yeah. so hyped for you. Get another trip around the sun, uh, yeah. sharing love and, and all that good stuff around, around everywhere that you go. So excited to be here. I'm sad you can't see me right now because I'm wearing my my power to the fans shirt. Oh, nice. Uh, I also, just like Jimmy Butler, have a full head of hair now. Um, wow. It is, things have wow. changed during the pandemic. There's things you can't see and things you can't see. Wow. <laughs> well, last time I was uh, I was with Khalif, we were sitting in the end zone uh, at uh, historic Pullman Yard yeah. in, uh, in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, watching, uh, watching uh, I think it was a, a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, so much fun. So much fun. Uh, and people can uh, check out the FCF. It is a ton of fun. Uh, we are building toward basketball now, Patrick. There, you guys are doing hoops, uh, fan-controlled hoops. is yeah. next up on the docket. And we're doing uh, weekly podcasts uh, leading up to that, too, at uh, twitch.tv slash FCF, right? Uh, we are. Yeah, we're, we are <laughs> going all, all in on basketball. So it's fan-controlled hoops. And it's just NBA jam in real life. So a lot more cool announcements to that coming. Uh, we'll have an announcement about when we're playing but it's sooner than you might think. And I can't wait for fans to have this opportunity to control the action on a basketball court as well. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And I have to say, I mean, this is not, we're not sponsored by, this is not a, uh, an advertisement. It's just something that we're all involved with. And it's my birthday. So I wanted to be hanging out with the people I, uh, I haven't gotten a chance to talk to in a while and uh, talking about games. So uh, that's what we're doing. So ladies and gentlemen, let's start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments or questions, your own reviews, if you'd like to hear those on the show. Whatever you want us to know, that's the place to send it. dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We also have some awesome communities you can hang out in, including a Discord, which is called 5x5DLC on Discord, and a subreddit, which is also 5x5DLC.reddit.com. Great places, great folks hanging out. I, uh, I urge you to join them. You will not regret it. Let's start with Khalif. Well, what is your story of the week? Ooh, I want to dig into the Annapurna Interactive Showcase. Oh, so, yes. Ooh, they they had a wonderful showcase. I believe it was yesterday or mm-hmm. was it yep. earlier in the week? Yep. Um, Ooh, I and- should note to, to folks that are uh, listening, we're recording a little early this week yep. uh, because of my birthday. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we are recording on Friday. It happened on Thursday yesterday for us, but you may be hearing this a little later. So, yeah, absolutely. In the far future, which is not too far. <laughs> um, Time trail is hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they had a they had such a banger set of games uh coming through that they showcased um in in their in their full I think it was almost maybe a little bit under an hour uh mm-hmm. showcase. Um and it just shows again that like I think there are very few groups that anytime I am like privy to 
uh, stuff that they've been making or uh, games they've been producing or, or have helped to kind of get out in the world where I'm automatically just like, whatever you have for me, I'm down. Yes. Yeah. Like, I will open my wallet for anything that comes out of Annapurna at this point. So yeah. true. And, and, and the games that they showed were just so fantastic and showed just the breadth and depth of their portfolio in a way that is really smart. So like things like Thirsty Suitors, which I am such a big fan of of that team at outer loop mm-hmm. like they're yeah. making something that is such a beautiful game not only from a gameplay perspective but from a cultural standpoint mm-hmm. of really pulling in um a lot of the the flavor from 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 the folks who made that game and, and part of their history and their team um hindsight looked really really rad as well yeah uh, looks super super cool bounty star is a thing i'm really excited for like yep. weird mech games making their return like that yeah, stuff also mech makes mis- me- mixed with western really yes. cool right like so, so yeah. much so much good stuff within there that 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 kind of pulled itself out and and really makes you kind of just like turn your head and you're like oh you still just have like stuff that's coming out that's just going to be really really good for the foreseeable future um uh, Jeff, what what was what was some of the games that you saw that were really exciting to you, or stuff that really stuck out in, in the showcase? Well, you're you're absolutely right that uh, Annapurna has become this publisher where if if they're publishing it, I'm gonna be taking a notice of the game. I'm gonna 100%. probably want to play the game, and yeah. and that's there are very few publishers like that. That just the name of the publisher alone mm. has me go. I'm gonna give this a shot because I feel like Annapurna more than just a publisher, it fe- they feel like a cultivator of indie talent and it it really is amazing how you know they they started the uh, showcase off with that like little um um montage of stuff that has already come out you know stuff from the past mm-hmm. couple of years and i was like game after game after game of like oh my god that was such a special experience oh yeah that was such a special experience oh wow what a cool game that was and um you're right there's a, a lot of really cool um games here that they showed a couple of uh of never before seen titles that are in, in development but also i i really was impressed with the structure of the presentation yes mm-hmm. because we've we've gotten to this place now where the nintendo direct model has taken over the entire industry right you know com- combination of covid and e3 kind of waning and and publishers realizing they can do their own things everybody has has figured out that, you know, we can just do these uh, pre-packaged uh, YouTube <laughs> presentations, but nobody has done it quite like this. It felt like, you know, part documentary, part game reveal, but more like, you know, where where a lot of these publishers will show off a pre-rendered uh, uh, teaser uh, that's supposed to give you the tone of a game or, or like a, you know, a logo with the font kind of giving you the tone of a game before they can actually show any gameplay. What Annapurna did before they could show any gameplay is they went, here are the people making the game. Yes. Here's the experience of the human beings who are doing this. And I thought, oh my God, what a refreshing decision. It just felt like such a different take on the entire concept of a, uh, you know, a, a showcase. Uh, so I was impressed with that right off the bat. Um, but you're right, man. I, I, thirsty suitors jumped out at me. Bounty star, uh, jumped out at me and, um, uh, that, that the lost wild, which was Mm. the final game they showed, which was kind of the, um, like dinosaurs, but it didn't look violent. It didn't look like you were shooting dinosaurs. It looked like you were just discovering them and figuring out what's going on in, in their habitat. 
that looked really cool too. Yeah, that, Patrick, that was super rad. Yeah, Patrick, what did you uh, what did you think of the presentation? Well, I'm with you, Jeff. I you know I was really reminded how much I love hearing about creative people and their processes. Uh, you know, I think game devs are just magicians. The, the 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 fact that anything exists is is always wild. So it's really interesting to see the insight and the passion and you know and the their how how you know, people have dedicated their lives to these crafts and telling these stories. So that was you know it really endeared me to some of these games. I think um, yeah, with you, Bounty Star looked incredible. I thought hindsight had a a line that just absolutely broke me. Uh, she, the narrator said something to the effect of sorting through memories that twist and turn depending on how you look at them. And it yeah. just, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm absolutely sold. And then it ended kind of with this flex of, oh, by the way, all of these new games look incredible. And we're doing, you know, re-releases and new versions of Outer Wilds, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Me and Lana uh, all will stand Outer Wilds forever. I get choked <laughs> up just hearing the music. What <laughs> Remains of Edith Finch. And, yeah. you know, it's pretty rare that I ever go back to a game, but both of them, I was like, these are just all time experiences. I, you know, I, I made me made me excited after hearing about all these new games, wanting to dive back into games that are just beloved for me. So it was quite a quite a presentation. Yeah, you know, the the more I think about uh, what remains of Edith Finch, I mm-hmm. I honestly think it's in my top ten games of all time because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know of any other video game that I that sort of occupies more headspace than that one. Yes. Um, I mean, every time I push my kids on the swings, I think of that video game. Um, there's, there's a numerous image mm-hmm. images and moments from that game that just, they stay with me, not just as a gameplay experience, but as a, as a, a sort of emotional touchstone. Yeah. Um, which great art does. Um, so it's great that that game is, you know, getting re-released on new platforms or I guess it, it did, already it's it's already out um so that's very out of wilds is similar for me in that sense and not to continue to talk about it but any chance i get the one of the kind of (laughs) core tenets of out of wilds is to be present that life is life is going to continue to happen you can't be everywhere at once so stop trying and Mm. it's something that again can continue to be this touchstone of and and a reminder to work-life balance is a joke that's never going to happen but what i can do is be present and be where uh where i am and so uh yeah again one of one of the all-time greats and it was just what a cool flex at the end of the the presentation yeah um khalif uh i don't know how much of a uh, katamari damasi fan you are Mm. um but interesting that the creator uh, of that game and and watam uh uh, kaita takahashi um they announced uh, sort of a teaser for that his new game uh uvula Mm-hmm. Which looks like I have no idea. Uh, you know, it's this sort of cartoonish <laughs> mouth sleeping. No idea what that game is going to be about, but I'm immediately intrigued, uh, right? It's, it's crazy. I mean, Kata, you know, does so much. He he has made so many cool experiences over his life as a game maker. He's also like one of those folks that he has, he has like chill Kojima vibes in that way where it's like, yeah. oh, you know, he's a person whose name has enough gravitas that you're just like, okay, what they're going to do is going to be wild or wacky or yeah. fun in a way that you don't expect. But it also carries a weird, he has some really big hits and then has some really big misses. Yeah. Because I, I don't think Watam really did that well in terms of, of, yeah. of where it kind of yeah. went. Um, and I think people really are just like, can you make another uh, Katamari Damacy, <laughs> please? Because that's what we need um, in that respect. So it, it's like interesting to see that they had that in the show. And then also they had Hohokam, 
yeah um in there too which which brought back so many good pixel junk era memories of just like there was a whole music genre that felt like it was around those games and and kind of bubbled up in the ps3 era um and it was cool to kind of see that be in the show too as a thing i was like oh i remember that game i remember that vibe that felt really really good yeah um, in terms of that being it so keita takahashi you know coming back and, and doing something cool with them like that's only going to be a win for everybody who gets a chance to potentially play that thing yeah yeah, and uh, I also dug um, the Look Inside uh, Cardboard Computer, which is the uh, developer that made Kentucky Route Zero. Uh, three dudes, th- a three-person development team. Um, very interesting to see that they're working on something uh, that looks like it's going to at least involve a talking dog. <laughs> I don't know what else, <laughs> what else is going on there, but they're uh, working on a – it looked really cool, kind of this, you know, pulling back the curtain a bit on on their – uh, their workflow and how they're managing to have these, uh, you know, lip synced voice acted characters, but doing it using basically iPhones and um, oh, what's the technology in the iPhone? Uh, oh, the LiDAR tech. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks really slick. And, and I'm excited to see what the, you know, they're talking about how Kentucky route zero was very slow, uh, very tableau esque, very measured and uh, sort of melancholy. And that this new game, whatever it's going to be called, will be a, faster funnier experience uh which i'm i'm really intrigued by need more of that though i, I think that's the thing that yeah. we're, we're missing in this space like a, it, it feels like even from a tonal perspective games right now are, tw- are are trying to trend towards more happiness and joy yeah we and need that, it that's also <laughs> yeah. yeah and i was gonna say yeah like we need it like yeah. we need that like in a real way so good pat yeah I was going to ask if you guys actually played all the way through Kentucky Route Zero. It's on my shame list. And so I was curious if you guys finished it and what that experience was like. Because I played the first episode, loved it, and just never circled back. And it's something I need to go check off. I also only played the first episode, but I enjoyed what I played. I don't Me know too. why I never came back to it, but it it, it was a very cool game. I yeah. really dug it. Yeah, same. I, I need I need to go back into that. That's going to be my, my homework. It's going yeah. to dig back in before that game comes out. We should all play and, and circle back up and discuss our experiences. I yeah. think that'll hold yeah. each other accountable. That would be <laughs> rad. Yeah. I would like that. Um, that Bounty Star game, the the sort of a Western mech game, um, which I think you know, Annapurna very much a uh, uh, very much an indie publisher. Very these are eclectic, very non uh, sort of mainstream games. I would say that Bounty Star looked like the most mainstream. Those shooting, you know, yeah. there was a third person action. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it still looked like it had a lot of uh, interesting personality. The, the full title is Bounty Star, The Morose Tale of Graveyard Clem. Which <laughs> I love it. Has my that vote one- for best title <laughs> in video games is, right now. That is one confident game. You're like, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> it's um, so good. The voiceover yeah. in that also got me too. She said something along the lines of some skill sets are a curse. And I was like, okay, sign me up. No matter what comes after that line, I'm playing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, lots of really cool stuff in the uh, Annapurna Interactive Showcase. It's only their second one they've done, second annual uh, showcase. But it's cool that this publisher has kind of stepped up and and become a real major player. And you know, like Khalifa saying, it, it, when I see that logo, it's a game. I'm like, well, I got to play that because yeah. it's probably going to surprise me. It's probably going to do something different. And it feels like they cultivate great developers they, and, and you see that in the showcase they cultivate good people and people that are passionate about what they're making and it's very uncynical it seems to me you know 
So that's the Annapurna Interactive Showcase. Uh, Patrick, what would be your story of the week? Oh, there's so much to talk about this week and so much of it is a bummer. Uh, let's <laughs> go with uh, let's go with the GTA news, right? So, yeah. uh, I mean, it, GTA news, I think the, the actual, you know, uh, this week, Bloomberg, uh, Jason Schreier dropped an article talking a lot about updates at Rockstar. And the article was actually, which again, you talk about flexes, was really about Rockstar being a little less Rockstar and how the culture is shifting over there. And mm-hmm. by the way, here's some GTA 6 details, right? Not even in like like the title of the article, uh, but I think that's what people really latched onto. Uh, and it talks a little bit about that uh, GTA 6 is going to feature a female protagonist in the main campaign this week, one of a couple of different characters uh, you know, that are kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde type bank robbing duo. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I thought was interesting coming out of that was a, I love that only in Bloomberg would they, would, would anybody call a fictional version of Miami um, uh, as opposed to Vice City, but it sounds like it's, we're going back to Vice City, which is exciting and it's got to be uh, a fan favorite. So uh, how are you guys from a temperature check? Is Are you excited about GTA 6? Are you in bated breath? How do you feel about this female protagonist outside of It's About Time? I, I do think it's about time. Yeah, yeah. It, it does seem like, you know, it's the first time in the series history to have a, a playable female character. Uh, I think it's uh, overdue and I think it'll be uh, an interesting way to, interesting to see how they do that exactly. I think Bonnie and Clyde is a really cool idea, a modern version of this, mm-hmm. you know, bank robbing duo. Um, I, and you I know, have, th- go ahead. I, I hope they go back to that mechanic from uh, from 2013 from uh, GTA 5 where you would you'd go you'd switch between protagonists and then you'd mm. catch them in the middle. They just lived their life. So, yeah. you know, maybe Trevor sleeping on the street in his underwear or I loved that coming back to the other, that, that, uh, the, the other protagonist kind of midlife. And so I hope that that's what this ends up being. That you'll be able to switch between the two of them because I just I, I found that incredibly original and, and always fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Grand Theft Auto games are such juggernauts that you know, and, and the, the technology that they leverage all the time, it's, it, it always seems to be pushing the medium forward technologically on just a pure, uh, what is possible in video games perspective. I'm, I tend to be, uh, disappointed in the tone of those games. They tend to kind of put me off a bit. Um, you know, GTA five, I played all the way through, but it just, it was, you know, so much of it is just like, Oh, this, this is what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, my eternal hope is that, the game can lose some of its, um, I don't know what the word is, uh, juvenile. Cynicism, maybe? Yeah, like, cynicism. It's a great word for it, actually. Yeah. I feel like um, deeply cynical. And and actually, one of the things I took heart um, about in the article was they talked a little bit about trying to punch down less. I think mm. in previous GTA iterations, they punched at everybody, up, down, everywhere. And I think like them being cognizant of the fact that uh, you know, what what they're going to take shots at uh, kind of going forward has me, you know, more excited to live in that world because I'm with you. It's deeply cynical. It's bleak. And, yeah. I, you know, I'm hoping it's a little bit less that less this time around. But I wanted to ask you to where do you think they go with it? Because, I, you know, given our current political climate and, you know, kind of <laughs> this the state of late stage capitalism, what do they even <laughs> parrot parody anymore? I really, I'm like genuinely yeah. when I sat down to think, what's this going to be like? And I don't know. And I was curious to see if you guys have any ideas or what do you want out of a GTA narrative? Ooh, that's a really good question. I think that that's the thing that is going to be on the minds of everyone when they go and boot that thing up for the first time. It's really going to be, I think we'll get a really good sense of that in the first kind of trailers that come out, right? Mm-hmm. Where it is now where we are living in the weird bizarro land that GTA used to parody all the time. 
it was digging it, it was dipping its toes into talking about the things that we are now seeing kind of like really be at the forefront mm-hmm. of conversation and in the way that people kind of maneuver especially here in the united states but i think that the the interesting part is going to be one how do they set the tone correctly in comparison to another game like saints row that would have been out a couple of years prior to it that is not from from what i've seen from at least from uh previews has been it's still going for even a less cheeky version of what that game used to be. So it's mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see where games like this that are trying to do social commentary in a space now where social commentary doesn't work in the way that it used to. Yeah. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Um, where does that actually land the joke or not even the joke? Because I think that the things that were parts of that ecosystem that played really well that were outside of the characters themselves were the things like the radio stations. Like where do you go with that kind of content where a lot of the raunch was um, from a kind of, you know, uh, uh, tertiary layer of how you kind of connected to the world. Right. So it's going to be really cool to see if they can get around that. I don't know how they're actually going to balance that out in a way that feels smart. Yeah. Right. Cause I think that was the thing. Like, even if you felt like it was really dour, like five was a dour game in a lot of different ways. Uh, this game with the way everything kind of is leaning and they're going to be playing in spaces on the East coast and, you know, potentially Miami, which we'll talk about in a second is going to also be kind of worrisome for the audience we've we've also seen a lot of pushback already right like there's a lot of been a lot of commentary has been like oh this game has gotten real woke so now it's gonna it's not gonna be fun anymore mm, yeah. uh, so it's the, all they have a lot of stuff to prove um from it and they may be able to skirt some of it with the technology base but the, the the fundamental layer of it will be really tricky and a really interesting line they're gonna have to kind of straddle to get the the, the funky stuff in but also not get people too mad that they've lost their 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 spark in that yeah. same way. Yeah. I think you're right. This game has to serve so many masters, right? Because with GTA 5 being such a, you know, Jeff used the word juggernaut, just like uh, the the G- GT online and all of like all of those needs for this like, live service game and to, to your point, like there's already this this woke army, god forbid you play as a female uh in a game. I I I'm really interested to see how they thread all of those needles. Yeah, you know, that's what I was going to bring up as well is uh, I, I think Khalifi makes such great points there um, that it's it's interesting to me that we're talking about the single player portion of this game, which when you think about GTA V, the, the multiplayer has completely overshadowed that for half a decade. Yeah. You know, it's why that, that game it has sold massive amounts of copies, not because of the story that it tells but because of this other component. And part of this report in Bloomberg was about how, yeah, it starts in Vice City, but then they will, uh, evidently the plan is to add more cities as content you know, that, that rolls out after the game launches. Uh, so the game you know, this, is this big part of Miami, but then there's other cities that get added later. And I wonder how much of that is single player content, how much of that is multiplayer content. Yeah. Like, to a certain extent, they, they kind of don't even need to have a single player game for that game to still be wildly successful. So I I think Khalif, you're, you're so spot on. It's like, well, how do they, 
what what responsibility do they feel to sort of grow up or or <laughs> look at the reality of the world that has changed <laughs> in the last 10 years because right. another thing is you know this game who knows there's there's some reports that it, it could be coming out as early as 2023 but then others are just like don't expect it until 2026 you know mm-hmm. so it, it seems so it seems so crazy to to make something that is such a you know cultural it is a cultural game. I mean, a, a yeah. GTA release is a cultural moment. Yep. And, it, you know, they're trying to ride this ever-changing wave of sentiment or 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 do they just not care and they're just making their goofy, you know, heist game? I don't know. I don't I, know. And it'll be, like you said, Khalif, it'll be really interesting to see those first trailers and how they position it uh, from that perspective. I and do less, like me those first GTA. I, I love me those GTA trailers. The first one where it says, welcome <laughs> to the world of GTA 6. Yeah. I think I look forward to those almost as much as the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on, you know, compounding all of that too, and then when I hear what you were saying, Khalif, was that like Leslie Benzies and the Housers are, are no longer there. Like yeah, the people right. that you identify with GTA and all of that world building and all of that personality, they're gone. So how yeah. much does that impact kind of tone and feel of this game? And it's just big question marks around it and you know, it's uh, you know, to your point, Jeff, it is a just a occupies a huge cultural footprint. So I'm, I I couldn't be more interested to see how this develops. Last quick point uh, that I wanted to share was, and I think the thing that will be really interesting, and I think this is where it gets a little bit um, wishy washy, right? Is where the thing that you would hope to see if you are at Rockstar is the game that you wind up putting out. It still has cultural relevance in a way where you get to talk about the the narratives and the, and the, and the positioning of the characters and all that kind of stuff. Cause it, w- it would be really interesting to see where they're going to do that, especially having a, a, a woman at the, at the forefront that coupled with the already backlash that we're seeing from a large, well, a, a portion of the audience, the thing that you wind up, I think that we won't, we won't wind up seeing though is because of GTA's footprint and how big that game is just on name alone. Even if there was a, a regression of people saying this story, whatever it may be, if it doesn't have those layers, isn't for me and I'm not going to buy it, it's still going to get outsold by everyone else who isn't in our spaces, who doesn't have these kind of talks about <laughs> yeah. all this kind of conversation, right. right? So it's like yep. you, can't even, you can't even culture check it in a way that's going to be of worth unless something really bad happens in that game that winds up coming out from a content perspective. Right. Mm, yeah. And then even so the same folks who, who should be uh, uh, upset about that thing will say, Oh, this is rock. This is old rock star coming back right. in this game. That's exactly yep. what we hoped for. Yep. So it's a, it's a really wild time. And it, it just tells you, and there's another layer of commentary about like, where are we as a culture? Where are we as a gaming community? And how do companies make stories for folks who are on both sides of the fence in a way that makes sense for everybody involved? And the answer is you probably can't. Yeah. yeah. Or if you're too big, they're too big to fail at this point, right? Well, that's the thing is they also have – there's another way to look at it, which is they, they, they're playing with house money. You know, like, yeah, like it kind of doesn't matter what they what they do from their perspective, because, you know, they they're I guess you could theoretically screw it up for both audiences and then, you know, both sides of the fence and and, uh, you know, squander what you've got. But but it seems like they have this opportunity because GTA five is just it's just this cash machine uh, and they have the benefit of the online portion, which 
one thinks, regardless of what the single player does, can still carry sales of that game for Mm -hmm. years as it did for five. Um, It feels like they have an opportunity actually to do something bold and interesting. Uh, And I, I hope, you know, anytime you, you, you know, you, you have a character that, uh, you know, if you have a, you play as a woman, it's kind of hard not to make the game comment on what it's like to be a woman. When you have mm-hmm. have anybody playing as somebody they're not, they get an experience of being somebody they're not. And I hope the game leans into that because that's that's how we get empathy. <laughs> you know, I think that that could be a good thing. <laughs> but it's weird to talk about empathy in a Grand Theft Auto. Either way, you know, we're multiple years out from that, even though the game evidently has been in development since 2014. So, wow. And undoubtedly, we will talk about it to a nauseating extent before it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just want Engine 5. Just put it under Engine 5 and then I won't care. (laughs) Well, you know, buried in here too is the talk about how um, they've, uh, Rockstar has been like patenting uh ai uh for for npcs and so you know theoretically you can have a city that's a lot more intelligent uh you know at least reacts to the player in a much more intelligent way i think that could be really cool too i mean new city dlc is going to just be wild yeah (laughs) see how big how much you actually get drop a city yeah yeah drop new york and you're just like wow geez yeah wild I, and I still uh, think the, man, the, the world of GTA Five is unparalleled. To think that they're taking that to the next level is crazy. I'm very excited. Yeah, well, they, they talk about how there will be more interior areas yes. uh, than ever before as well. So, like, the, the city will feel like, you know, buildings, you can go into more of them. And that's that's pretty wild. Um, and, and, you know, and the capabilities of these new systems and, and mm-hmm. faster hard drives means we'll probably have a lot less loading times. Uh, it'll just feel like this big, huge, seamless city. Uh, and you know, any of us that played the, uh, the matrix, uh, PS five demo, uh-huh. you know, it's uh-huh. hard not to think of what the next GTA is going to look like. You know, it's like, right? wow. <laughs> Ima- imagine if we get something yes. even close to that. Ugh. What? God. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, you guys have left me uh, a bunch of interesting stories. I, you know, I don't want to, ta- <laughs> I don't want to talk about how, uh, meta slash Facebook has raised the price of quests by hundred dollars for some ridiculous reason um <laughs> don't get that i'm gonna talk about something exciting instead of, like okay. you said uh patrick there's a lot of downer stories uh the kotor remake being on Ugh. indefinite hold is a bummer Broke my heart uh, a lot of bummer stories but uh i'm excited because uh there is a rumor from our friend friend of the show jeff grubb on uh, grub snacks uh it, it feels like we're reporting on something he reports every single week on the show uh, <laughs> he ha- he evidently has a uh a source at, uh, what is it, EA, uh, said that there is a new studio uh, head, headed by a former monolith um, uh, production head, uh, Kevin Stevens, that is working on a Black Panther single-player game, big open-world Black Panther game. And th- I think that's really exciting. I mean, yes, it's EA, so, you know, the cynic might say they'll find a way to screw it up. But uh, I am I am hopeful. It feels like you know we're getting a Wonder Woman game, uh, we're getting a Wolverine game, we got a Spider Man game. We might be in the renaissance of single player superhero games right now. Thanks to Insomniac, Insomniac's like, hey, look, these can be a hit. Um, so, uh, what do you guys think about uh, Black Panther single player game? 
having a game all to himself and uh, being a big open world. Uh, are we excited? As excited as I am? Yeah, I think I think that game is gonna is gonna be interesting. I think that the the like it's when I think of what that game needs to be to be really interesting and fun is they actually have to build out Wakanda in a real way. Mm. Like, yeah, like that's the part that I I find to be the most kind of like, Ooh, what could you do there? How do you reimagine a technologically advanced, the most technologically advanced civilization or at least grouping of folks on the planet in Africa in it you know like how yeah. do you, like who builds that out who does the culture checks on that stuff how do you make sure it's true to canon and in all those layers um and then and then i'm like well we've done this a little bit with other stuff too like like i just keep thinking about the avengers game and i and anytime i think about new superhero games i think about that first <laughs> and i don't know if that feeling is good you know, like I, I, yeah. I everyone kind of harps on the the EA layer of oh EA is going to make this game is going to be terrible. I don't I don't believe that part. I think EA still still makes really really awesome stuff. Yeah, agreed. but I just don't understand like even with this game and the hype that's going to be around the movie and if those things are going to connect in that way, I'm weirdly in a space of like I don't know if I need a game like this anymore. Hmm. I want to huh. see it because it's going to deal with the Black Panther layers. Sure. But I feel like I'm still not over my Avengers PTSD yet <laughs> right. enough to give a superhero <laughs> game like this that's not Wolverine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, the, yeah. that's the part that for me is the part that I'm struggling with is I know why I want a Wolverine game. I don't know why I want a Black Panther game yet. It's so interesting interesting that you mentioned the Avengers, right? Because one of the things that I actually really enjoyed from the Avengers was the Black Panther DLC and the locomotion. And for me, I think the way he moves and the way he, you know, like it feels good. And I feel like if there's a way they can capture that and just some really cool locomotion around the world, not unlike what, you know, what, what we got from from Spider-Man and uh, and Miles Morales. I think that for me is going to be key exploring Wakanda, both kind of the city element, if we can get the outskirts and kind of the elevated mountainous terrain. I think there's an opportunity for some really cool biomes and again if we we nail that that locomotion I'm I'm really cautiously optimistic. I I would and you you know you hear former monolith, you can't not think uh, the nemesis system. And so again, mm. I know that that's you know patented mm-hmm. but the, the, they're a variation of the nemesis system in a huge Wakanda sign me up yeah i mean I, I i'm thinking through all the elements it could have and you know how uh at first spider-man game you play a lot of uh a lot of peter parker scientist stuff mm-hmm. would be kind of cool to have t'challa political stuff like have an entire you know section of the game where you're out of costume playing you know politicking uh as the uh as the head of state of of wakanda yeah, I mean, there's kind of interesting stuff that could be mined from that, I think. Um, and, you know, and if you're, you know, Batmaning from, you know, Batmaning in a jungle, basically hunting stuff, going for treetops, staying hidden, pouncing down on things like in the, you know, the Arkham games. You know, I, I'm not saying just put a skin on on it that's uh, Black Panther. I, just, I think I just think those game systems are sort of tried and true and and would work uh, in that environment as well. So I don't know. It'd be cool. I, I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm liking excited. that. Like maybe maybe you're, you're T'Challa and you've got to unify all of the clans, right? There's been some fraction and you're playing like, again, all again, there's this like, you know, political piece and again, hybrid nemesis system where you're not uniting all of these 
the the, the Wakandan tribes. I think it could be really cool. I'm cautiously optimistic there. Yeah. yeah. Again, um, very early in development, but uh, you know we, we don't know. Uh, I guess the internal name is Project Rainier, um, but uh, we don't know any kind of target data. This is a uh, multiple years out uh, at the at the minimum. So, uh, but you know, exciting, and I think it's awesome that that you know for years, even when the early parts of the you know Marvel Cinematic Universe were clicking on cylinders and movies were making crazy money in the in the theaters, we still couldn't seem to get good video games it was still just like batman games were the only good superhero games out there and uh i'm glad that that seems to have changed and you know spider-man starting starting things off and we're getting uh, more characters getting their own games i'm i'm excited about that and that guardians of the galaxy game is very good people why are people sleeping on great. that game it's the so game good fantastic yeah I, I think that version of Drax is my favorite Drax. It's incredible. <laughs> that game's phenomenal. I can't. Very, very good. People slept on it. Kills me. Yeah, very, very <laughs> true. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about the games that we have been playing and transition into our segment, The Playlist. Ooh, Patrick, why don't we start with you? Uh, what has been on your playlist this week? Yeah, I chose a tricky game to talk about a little bit today, but it's been <laughs> occupying a lot of a lot of mental space for me. And it's one of those games that, again, it's been a slow time trying to clear off some of the back li- the the backlog a little bit. And Death Stranding has always fascinated me. I mean, Kojima is just a, you know a luminary. I think he always makes interesting games, even if they're not my favorite. I was very I s- just skipped this. I bought it day one, never played it. Uh, and so I think it, it, uh, it was a text message with you at some point when I was debating what to play next. And yeah. you said, look, I'm really interested to hear what you think. So I've spent two, three weeks kind of chipping away at Death Stranding. And I had to play. I needed to understand why there are so many dead whales. I needed to get that <laughs> answer. And I don't know that I have it yet. But I would love to have you guys. I'm at this critical point with the game where I'm deciding whether I'm going to continue. Mm-hmm. And would love you guys can help me to guide me to see if I've gotten what the game has to give without spoiling anything would love to, for you to help me. Like, let me know if I, you know, if I should finish. So I'll t- talk a little bit about the experience. Obviously Kojima made a walking simulator and he made the shit out of it. It's the Gran Turismo of walking simulators. I mean, it is incredible. Um, but the game, at least to this point, you know, it's America death, high speed package delivery. I think people are pretty familiar with, um, you know, the, 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 the game and the third person action component of it and the, you know, the, the terrain management, essentially every single step, there's a mechanic and it as you hyper-focus on all of your locomotion. Um, but I'm, I'm just at a point where I think I've got what it's saying. I think it's been interesting for me to hear it t- touch on these themes about connection and karma, both literal and kind of metaphorical, you know, it asks you to, you know, balance your loads uh, by your own, with your own needs and those that come after you. Um, and what you leave behind benefits everybody behind you on the journey. And so I guess my question to you is this, is it seems to be the thesis, again, not spoiling anything, but this game really seems to want to encourage me as a player to be the good that I want to see in the world. Mm. Uh, it really encourages mindfulness. And so hopefully in, in that it, you're making the game world a better place and it maybe you might want to make the real world a better place. And if so, that's a cool message. But I think I've gotten everything that I need out of this game. And I'm just about to finish uh, the third chapter. So I'm not even that far in. 
from an hour perspective, I probably have put in 40 hours. I got a little stuck in chapter two trying to do everything, which was not the right decision. Um, but I just think I've, I played enough of it and really curious to see. I know you guys are both very passionate about it and would love to hear what I'm missing. Should I keep going? What are your thoughts on Death Stranding? Khalif, you want to take that? First of all, you must find – no, I'm just playing. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think and – I, and I wonder when I think about my time when I played it. And I think when I wrote my review, when it first dropped, I think one of the biggest things that came through was it felt like it hit at the perfect time in the state of the world. Oh, interesting. And I feel like some games are good for that. Like it, it feels like it has to speak to you at the right time. I don't think death stranding is like this universal tale that will hit everyone in the kind of air quotes, right way. The, the longer it's kind of out in the world. Like I feel like it had a very small window of relevance and I don't know if that relevance continues to kind of, stay there even though we are still you know in the middle of a pandemic and a lot of the the loneliness vibes and a lot of the conversations that that game is trying to convey very much was in line with or felt like it was akin to a lot of the things that we're thinking about from a societal standpoint i mean for me at this point going back and playing some of it it was more about how pretty is this thing going to look on a big pc screen sure than it is about the like, oh, we're connected by all of these layers and stuff, because I feel like it's also been a moment where and I don't know if this is a thing that you've you've delved into, Pat, has been like all the scuttlebutt and all the digging into the meanings behind the meanings kind of stuff that has been done over the past couple of years since that game dropped. Did you did you did you engage with any of no, that? No, I, I really didn't want to just because I wanted to experience it firsthand and then go read all the think pieces about what I'm supposed to be getting out of it. But at yeah. this point, it just seems to be just a mess with Die Hard Man. And I'm not entirely yeah. clear what's going on. I think we've got a loose understanding of what's going on in the world, but uh, wanted to know if it ever kind of congeals and starts to make a lot of sense and, and leaves you with a... a something that's greater than the sum of its parts. Because I think what it's done to this point is really, it's super interesting. It's way more interesting than it is fun, right? I'm like, I, yeah, it's almost yeah, a science yeah. experiment for me at this point. Like, I don't enjoy the minute to minute, but I am, I'm hoping that it's because there's a bigger message to the whole thing. And, you know, but, but I think that I'm, as I've gotten older, I've developed my capacity to just put a game down. You know, time yeah. is way too yeah. valuable. I used to yep. just sit through things that were like, even not even bad games. If it was a B minus or a C plus, I'd be like, well, I'm going to finish it because I'm a completionist. I need to, especially from a narrative perspective, I need to understand how they land this plane. And mm. as I've gotten older, I'm just like, I'm okay with letting things, some things go. Again, because there are other tens out there um, in, in you know, it, all types of media. And so like, I just, if I'm going to be spending time on something leisurely, I really want to be enjoying it. And so I guess if you feel like there's a bigger message here and something to really take from it, I, I want to like this game. I want to continue but I feel like I'm right at a point where I, I could just put it down and feel satiated, you know? Yeah. yeah. I would yeah. I would say feel give yourself permission to do that. It's fine. Okay. I don't think the any I like a lot of Kojima games, for me, again, for <laughs> me, this isn't universal. A lot of people love okay. Kojima, including Christian Spicer. But um for me, I, I tend to feel like he gets a little mired in his own lore. You know, he gets a little mm-hmm. Uh, up his own hiney uh to a certain extent and um and sometimes 
that all works well, you know, Metal Gear Solid 4. Uh, but uh, other times it just feels to me it, like tedious and drawn out for, for no real reason. And I, I, I think that the, the thing that I enjoyed most about Death Stranding, which is the reason that I hold the game in high esteem, is not the cutscenes at the end of the game. It's okay, or, or throughout the game <laughs> for that yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is that. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you actually described it quite beautifully. Uh, the this feeling of tending my garden, but it's not a garden, right? There's a lot of tending yeah. your garden games. You know, there's a lot of Stardew Valley's out there, but this is a tending your garden when everything is barren and bleak and uh, harsh. You know, and you're you're tending a metal garden. You're, you're building bridges. You're building. Yeah. You know. Uh, you're making things, like you said, uh, Patrick, you're making things better for the next person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's beautiful. And I, I ended up really enjoying that, the minutia of that game, instead of the sort of broad, uh, the broad narrative beats, I enjoyed doing all the little things, getting all the little materials and getting, yeah. the, and I don't really like that in most other games, but for this game, because the world was so beautiful and it felt like I was really impacting my ability to get around from place yes. to place, you know, like you get the motorcycle or, or some of the vehicles and you're, you're <sighs> a- able to <laughs> yeah. go places where you weren't able to go before because you built that, that highway or you repaired that thing. It's, it's, um, that to me was very satisfying. Yeah. And, um, and the story itself, it, it just, it, it got a little too pulpy and a little too off the rails. Uh, so if, I never, I did not feel like it landed the plane particularly well. But I didn't feel like it flew the plane particularly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I will say, you know, for I tend to take most marketing pitches on face value. But when Kojima said that this was kind of unprecedented, that it's an entirely new genre, you could feel my eye roll from a mile away. Like, okay, sure, you know, but I I feel that it's pretty accurate. I don't I think yeah. it's kind of it's unprecedented. This idea that I'm making the world better for for people and being profoundly grateful for somebody when they leave a rope out in the middle of a play and, and aids mm-hmm. my journey. I think that's right. fascinating. And I'm so Amazing. glad this game exists, that it's part of this ecosystem and that it can inspire future game devs to do more strand games or whatever, build upon a lot of the precepts that are here. Um, I'm just not sure it's for me, but it is, it's, uh, I'm really glad I, I, I tried it. And thank you guys for, for kind of encouraging me to at least have that experience. Yeah, I mean, we, we, I was just talking about how you, you do Black Panther by making it like all these other games that have happened. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that you have a game that is completely different than anything else that's ever existed. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. like, yeah, that's it's a really different game. Like, what am I doing? I'm sorting boxes on my back to <laughs> make sure the weight is distributed well so that yeah. I don't topple over when I'm walking down yeah. a slight incline that's what what is this i'm actually a little bit sad that you're playing this version of the game as opposed to the version that was out when it first dropped only because they've added so much traversal stuff help they've Mm. added so much traversal help for the player interesting that it is it it made all of those other things of someone dropping a rope for you someone setting up a ladder for you to even be more impactful for the player yeah so it's like you're, you're, I wish that there was a way to like go back to like version 1.0 of 
uh, and, and go back to that so that you could kind of experience those parts too. Because there were parts where I was just like, I really wish someone would leave me a damn ladder yeah, right now. <laughs> get a rope. It was, yeah. but it was also kind of somebody, right? But it was kind of cool, like even even the, the the space of playing the game earlier than when uh, the the public got in. That was even a even like better and cooler and kind of more solitary. Oh, I'm really yeah. doing this for literally every reviewer who's going to play this yes. after me. <laughs> yeah. Let me make sure I'm making, I'm, I'm putting good roads down for people. Like that felt nice. It felt yeah. really yeah. important to be able to do it. So I think I what's that. interesting too, I'd, I'd encourage people, I'm a, I'm a digital foundry nerd. And if you watch that video, they talk about the new versions on, on new hardware. They talk a little bit about how they, they've changed actual terrain. So it's oh, not really? just the you know, frequency with which you get things from other players. They've got all this player telemetry and they understand where people are going. And in some cases, they've made it arguably a little bit more difficult and ease oh. it out a little bit. The game is better from a – it's more true to, I think, what the experience they wanted now than, than it was at launch too. So, it's, again, fascinating game. Yeah. And according to Norman Reedus, they're making a sequel. <laughs> yeah. But, Which is like, what do you – I don't know. What are you, you, ever want what to are keep you going secret, now? Don't like, give what it is, to Norman Reedus. <laughs> I mean, may, maybe – I mean, like, I hope hey, everybody, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in the White House. I'm he doesn't seem to know what he's in at any <laughs> yeah. given moment anyway, right? Like, I don't, that guy, <laughs> he doesn't know. He's just boys with Kojima. Yeah. I, I, I just hope that they don't, that whatever that sequel is, it isn't just like, okay, it's 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 Death Stranding, but now you have all the guns. Guns. You have yes, all the guns. Yes, Borderlands meets <laughs> Death Stranding. I don't need a ladder. I got a rocket launcher. <laughs> I got a gun that shoots ladders. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the wild thing is like they actually now really do have to rebuild the postal service in a real way <laughs> amazing i appreciate it that was cathartic i love that you uh yeah i love that you gave it a shot i, I just think it's a really special interesting different game and, and one that you know fans of the hobby fans of the, yes. the medium i have to, you know you have to kind of pay attention to and go as ah, a, a designer you know because Let's be honest. Kojima has a lot of mystique and hype yep. around him yep. uh, that sometimes can feel a little uh, out of control or disproportionate. And then mm-hmm. you see something like that, and you go, "Oh no, the dude's a visionary. Like yeah, he does. Totally. He, he does think about games differently than anybody else. Unmitigated um, genius. And I'm glad yeah. it exists. Like I'm so excited. I, I dove in and I had that experience. But I think I feel pretty content to uh, to put it on the shelf. But uh, so yeah. thank you for, for this feels like a, a good counseling session gentlemen thank you you have permission yeah. to stop playing <laughs> oh, thank you thank you i've carried uh, my package khalif what about you what do you what do you got on your playlist i am playing a couple of games that are that i did previews for that are that are not out yet but we should definitely talk about them yeah um one is roller drone which mm. okay oh my goodness it is like this is this is where I get to put on my old man hat and, and you both get to wear them with me. It is it is like the running man <laughs> mixed with uh 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 roller games mixed with <laughs> Go uh, on. Oh there was uh there was another one with with Tony Hawk. It's so it's oh, like all wow. of those things mixed together where you are this one character, you're 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 playing in these games that are that are made by this mega corporation that is kind of shady you don't really know what their intentions are but you are trying to get to the top of the leaderboards and win a championship that will hopefully kind of uh you know get you in good standing um it, it's like paying off your debt by by making sure you're killing other people and in and, and getting off getting right. through the championship i love this game this game is so good it is so fun 
the the art style feels um do you remember a game called 13 some years oh, ago yeah. It was like yeah yeah shell shaded shell shell shaded cell shaded <laughs> cell shaded shooters not easy yes. to say yeah it, it kind of yeah. reminded me of um sable that game recently that yes yeah. yes yes it literally feels like that that kind of art style it is so cool because it just combines all of the tricks that you wind up doing in a, in a kind of normal skating game with really tight shooting uh, but it's cool because you're doing all of these tricks and you're maneuvering around these these spaces that feel like they're all in kind of either you know you go from an outside kind of canyon area to this place that looks like you're on the top of a ski lift and to this other part that looks like you're inside of a mall like you're doing all of these uh, uh maneuvers and all of this gameplay within these really just weird spaces but it has that 60s 70s retro sci-fi vibe in terms of iconography and colors uh, color palette and Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff yeah i'm just i just had a blast doing the review i mean the preview stuff i'm like dying to play more of that is it is it does it have a single player component or is it all like a a arena shooter multiplayer game it's all single player stuff so really i can't see i don't see anything in terms of it being multiplayer it feels like you are i I looked at it and i thought oh it's sort of like a um you know a um oh what's the car game oh like a like a um, arena rocket league? car shooter rocket, rocket league thing yeah, yeah rocket yeah. league is what I was trying yeah. to think of. yeah it was like a rocket league it, it seemed like a, a, a arena multiplayer game i would hate it's, to play this game in multiplayer it would be it would be awful to play this game as a multiplayer game i don't think it fits oh interesting um, or awesome or awesome <laughs> no, i mean it could it could be it could be great <laughs> I mean, Pat, you could sell me a, a, a underwater bridge; it would be fine. <laughs> uh, but I, but I think that the the layers that make it cool is you adding those tricks combined with the way that you're attacking all of these moving parts that are that are synergizing around you. So, like, you have to keep your head on the swivel so you can get your score up to a certain level, so you can beat other people on the leaderboard, and then continue to kind of keep the story moving. You wind up kind of unlocking levels by doing very specific tasks. So it's like, oh. Do a grind on this part of the map, but you have to do this very specific grind. Oh, mm. you have is to it, shoot. Go ahead. Is it run based like Tony Hawk? Like there's an objective list and you get like two minutes and you go do those things. And you, as you cross those off, you unlock new levels. It, yes. So okay. I think that's going to be the replayability part is you kind of get through it to learn, you know, where players and, and enemies are going to kind of spawn because uh, you, you're tracked based on score. You're tracked on time, how fast you can do a level. And then there's a little bit of style points to it, too, of like, oh, you know, can you, you know, go up a ramp while you're inverted and upside down? Can you track a person underneath you, shoot them, land on the other side, get the finish the rest of the trick and then continue your run? Right. So it's like you're doing all of this at the same time in your brain and it takes a minute to kind of grok. But once you start to do it. It just flows so well. It feels so good. And the music just pushes you a little bit further with, with the with the dope soundtrack that it has there. So Roller Drome is nuts. It's from the folks at Roll Seven who made Ali Ali World. So that's yeah. already a oh, win because yeah. I love those I love those games. And they've just nailed that whole skating feel um to, to really bring that home. So really excited about Roller Drome. Well, I, I know Christian Spicer also uh really digs this game. He did a uh a, he sent in a little piece that we put up for patrons. Uh, so if you're not a patron, I don't think you've heard it, but um uh, I know he was really high on this game as well. I I honestly had written it off because I thought it was I thought it was a multiplayer arena shooter. It kind of yeah. has that yeah. aesthetic to it. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that it's a, a single player game. Now I'm more intrigued. 
It is very, very cool. I'm, I'm just like, please hurry up and come out. And it's coming out soon. I think it's coming out on the 11th of August, I believe. Okay. It's either the 11th oh, wow. or the 16th or something like that. It's soon. coming out really soon. It's That's fantastic. Really soon. Um, the other game, super quick, is Exo Primal. Again, another game I got a chance to check out um, in preview. It is like Lost Planet and there was and Turok mixed together. Okay, you had again. Me Come on, you're very uh, again. Good. This meets this meets this. I'm on board. <laughs> it's it's fire. So like the yeah. the interesting part about it is, imagine if you get two squads of four or five together. I think it's five. Oh, oh my god, this is the game that had like a thousand dinosaurs falling yes! from the sky. Yes, right? yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yes. So dinosaurs spawn from the sky, and you're like. <laughs> And you're like, all right, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a mech. I'm gonna rock a mech and shoot dinosaurs in the face. Yes. I'm gonna do it with five other with four other people. But the thing that makes this game the reason I am so excited for it, I thought it was just a single player score muncher. I thought it was a thing of like, oh, you know, sure. you clear clear waves, do all this kind of stuff, no more kind of thing. Then I got into the game and said, Oh, wait a minute. This is actually like a PvPVE game. Oh where your squad is 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 battling another squad to basically fulfill certain tasks. So think of it as if you have five stages of a match. The first stage is you just got to clear your way through the first wave or second wave of of dinosaurs. Second part of it, you have even more dinosaurs, and then you have some variants on those dinosaurs. So instead of having just like raptors, you'll have like raptors that shoot lightning or something like that. Then the third stage changes from a kind of just like wave based one. So now you have to like take the payload a la like uh, Overwatch across the map to get to a certain spot. Or you're basically defending, defending a point against a whole bunch of dinosaurs. So you're doing this on your end and the the team is doing this on their side of the map in the same uh, uh, vein. So you're all competing against each other while also competing against the, the environment. And the cool thing is like, you'll get to the end of a stage and it'll be like, your team is ahead of the, uh, your team is, is, is beating the other team. You're ahead. So now if you're the other team and you've heard that you're like, Oh, we have to hustle up and we have to make sure that we kind of beat them to the next yeah. goal. What winds up changing all of it is towards the end of a round. You're doing the payload part. You're kind of moving a thing towards a, towards an end goal. But it then becomes PvP because you can see the other team across the map. And now you're facing off against each other, moving your payload, and they're moving their payload. Oh, so you can go and attack them to stop their payload from advancing because you have to stand near it. Perfect. Or you can shoot their payload to blow it up mm. to, to, to kill it. So it winds up changing the tactics in the, in the, in the, the mechs that you wind up using, which you can change on the fly. So if you are stuck with a, a mech that doesn't feel like it's working in the situation, you can swap it out for something on the fly. And that oh, just cool. changes the whole timber of a round and of a match. Because there was one, and, I, and I'll try to do it really quickly. There was one part where uh, your uh, uh, Stegosaurus is trying to kill your plane. Right. As Again, I just said that and I wasn't high. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> so a Stegosaurus I listening is, after a lightning raptor. <laughs> right. So like the Stegosaurus is trying to, to like damage your plane. You have to, you have to keep that thing um, alive. We were losing and the other team was winning by a fair amount. We had failed that state like four times and it will just reset you to do it. 
we wind up failing it and they had gotten so far ahead that they had gotten to the last stage of the match where it then becomes pvp we are now transported to a spot we're moving our, our, our packages towards each other we decide as a team even though we're super far down to go just full on attack and, and try to kill them as much as we can while I'm kind of playing backwards and moving the payload ahead. We totally won that match, even though we were super far behind. That's it cool. wind up being really cool because you were so upset that the fact you weren't able to get through this one part of the stage, you felt like you were done. But that equalizer of saying, well, we are still better at this part of the game than the other team. We may not have good teamwork, but we can kill people real fast. That actually worked. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And it was cool. brilliant. It was so okay. much fun to be able to do that with a team that we weren't on comms with. If we were at a, a squad with comms, oh, it would have been so good. So, again, all of that to say Capcom is bringing some real fire with Exo Primal. I'm very, very excited for it, and I'm dying to play more of it. Looks like uh, 2023 is what they're saying for Exo Primal. I guess they, this is a closed network test that they were doing, but uh, the game won't be out this year. Uh, but has you have put it on my radar because uh, I admit I, wa- I watched the trailer with a, a thousand dinosaurs falling from a hole in the sky and I went, that looks a little goofy, but this sounds awesome the way you describe it. Yeah, I wasn't on, I wasn't down for it at, uh, either until I got a chance to play it and I was like, oh, I'm sold. Totally I feel like sold. you undersold. I'm looking at it now. You, you undersold the art. It looks stunning. Is this this yeah. RE engine? This is this is yes. Capcom. Ooh, looks really yep. slick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is Bring it on, Exo Primal. Uh, coming in 2023 um for my playlist i played a, a game i think it's uh, just about to come out i don't think it's quite out yet but the embargo went up today um it's a game called south of the circle mm. and it is very much a uh you know in the vein of a uh what remains vita finch or mm-hmm. a um firewatch uh, uh you know the the games that are i think you know, described not too kindly as as walking simulators, but these are games that I tend to really like. Uh, Same. They're storytelling games, primarily where your level of interaction is minimal, um, but it is more about uh, experiencing the narrative. And and usually these games live and die on their writing and their ability to tell a a, a good story. And that is that is what um, uh, South of the Circle is as well. It takes place in the late 60s, and you play as this um, professor at Cornell, I believe, an English uh, guy, who is flying uh, to the uh, Antarctic, and the plane crashes. And uh, the very first moments of the game are very uh, compelling. Uh, you crash in this you know, complete whiteout, uh, and the pilot says, okay, I, my leg is broken, you have to go. I try to get to the, you see this like blinking light of this uh, research station in the distance. If you can get there, he says it's like five or 10 miles. If you can get there in these, you know, sub freezing temperatures, uh, then maybe both of us can live. And so you set out and you start walking toward this light. And as you do, you start having flashbacks to this character's life. Um, and the game does this really cool thing where you'll be doing some action in one time period and then it'll sort of seamlessly like crossfade. So, you know, you'll be walking through the snow and then and, and see this flashing light of the research station. And then it seamlessly transitions to this flashing light of a train station. And now you're walking in a train station, you know, years ago in your life and you're remembering this moment. Um, it does that over and over again. Oh, you know, cool. you'll be in like a snow car, you know, snowmobile like vehicle and then you're in a car and that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's really effective. And um, and the voice acting, the acting overall is 
some of the best I've seen in video games. It is uh, very, very, very huh. good. I think there's a Game of Thrones uh, actor, and, and these are Hollywood talent. It's um, really, really well executed, beautiful um, performances. And the the visual style is very minimal. It's it's this um, very flat, almost rotoscoped. And I, I actually think it might have been rotoscoped because the, the animations are very, very uh, realistic and true to life. So I think they're actually filmed segments that were converted into you know, sort of simplistic, um, polygons. Um, and, uh, and the, 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 the playing of the game, such as it is, uh, is that you, you make uh, decision. I mean, you control the characters also, you know, you walk through the snow, et cetera, but you're almost always just kind of moving forward. There's not much, it's very linear. There's not much exploration to do very minimal exploration. Um, Mostly what you're doing is in these beautiful dialogue sequences, these, these scenes uh, between the actors, um, you are making uh, decisions on uh, kind of branching dialogue moments, but you're not picking the words that they say. Instead, you're selecting these sort of abstract emotional beats. And the game creates these uh, shapes that it associates with certain emotions and so it'll just kind of show you the shape. And very, very quickly as I was playing it, that became this very intuitive thing where I wasn't I wasn't choosing a specific thing to be said. I wasn't choosing uh, between, you know, light and dark or any of the other kind of things you see in video games. I was choosing just sort of this emotional feeling. Huh. And you don't know exactly what that's going to result in as far as specific dialogue. And, and sometimes the dialogue that you get from an emotion isn't exactly what you would have wanted. But I found it to be really interesting because little window into how I play uh, video games, I tend to want to be a good guy. I tend to want to be a good person. I tend Shock. to choose the light side when I go sure. to, you know, I tend to want to make everybody happy, solve all the problems, you know, complete the quests, make everybody love me. You know, um, I'm a very codependent <laughs> video game character. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's so just what I do. I, I, I want to pick like, I want to be the nice guy all the time. It feels good to have people, you know, I, I don't ever choose the, you know, the, the, you know, they'll always be like an aggressive thing. And, uh, and I'm like, I tend not to choose that one. I, but in this game, there are sort of negative feelings that are, uh, there's a shape that is associated with negative feelings, but it's never, um, it's never like be a dick, you know, yeah. it's more uh, just, Oh, that kind of hurt in, in hearing it. Yeah, or yeah. I'm, I feel conflicted or mm. I feel this sense of um, worry or, or, you know, these, these are, you know, quote unquote negative feelings, but very natural to feel them. And so I tended to pick that that option much more than I would in other games because I sort of role played the feelings that I was getting. You know, uh, mm. a lot of the game is this sort of romance between these two characters, and you're 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 seeing their first meeting, you go on their first date with the, you know together, and and there were often times where I was like navigating the conversation and doing it in a very naturalistic way that. I don't usually do in video games, the That's sort cool. of the gaminess of it, of like, I want to, you know, min max my yeah, uh, yeah. score or I want to get the <laughs> best ending or whatever it is that sort of fell away. And I was just like, Oh, that made me feel a certain way. So I pushed that button and I thought that was really cool. Now, having said that, I don't believe that those choices 
make big swings as to where the story goes. Like, I think the sure. story's going to go where the story's going to go. Sure. But the the details of those conversations I found to be really satisfying in the in in when I let myself sort of buy into the emotional reality of what was happening. It let me kind of uh, actualize that in the game. You know, it, yeah. it let me uh, role play, and I, I found that to be really cool. I, you know, this is not a game for everybody. It's not even, you know, some people would say it's not even a game, right? It's just, it's this mm. interactive story that is only lightly interactive, right? You're, you're, you're selecting uh, minor changes in how the story, how the dialogue flows. And sometimes it doesn't even give you a choice. It literally just asks you to push a button to, to move the story forward. There's no choices to be made. So... In that sense, you know, a lot of people, I think, criticize games like that and say, oh, there's not enough. I, I don't have enough agency. I don't have enough control over what happens. But I found this story to be really beautiful and interesting and kind of not not what video games usually deal with. It was it felt it felt more like, a, you know, an art house movie than it yeah. did a, a video game. And I was pretty impressed with it. Again, the game is called South of the Circle. And if you like games like that, if you like, you know, quote unquote, walking simulators, I do, I, I think it'd be worthwhile. It's, it, I really enjoyed the story. It's, again, it's just a few hours. It, you know, I played it in a couple of sittings and it, you know, it, it's not terribly taxing. You can play the whole game in, with, you know, with one finger, basically. Um, you know, it's, there's not a lot to it, but uh, as far as interactivity, but it, as far as a, a really beautifully written, well-told story, I liked it. That's right. It is yeah. rad. It wasn't on my radar at all. How, who who publishes this, Jeff? You know, it does. It sounds like it would be an Annapurna game. It is not. Sure does. Uh, I don't remember who the publisher is. I should know that. Hang on, let me see. That's encouraging that it. it's just you know a couple of hours. It sounds like something that can be you know paced out a little bit and and you can experience that. Quickly. Yeah. Oh, it it's Eleven Bit awesome. Studios. Um, Eleven Bit. Well, they, nice. They've done a lot of really uh, cool games that I've liked. Um, Children of Morta is an Eleven Bit Studios game. Um, but State of Play is the developer. Um, but uh, it's really cool. It, I mean, it hooked okay. me right away. Like that first sequence where you, you know, you crash the plane and have to get out. It's, it's like, oh, wow, I'm in. Uh, and, and the acting is just so, so well done. So uh, it's very cool. Uh, I also so cool. thought I'd mention just for the sake of the audience. This is not easy for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think Elden Ring is for me, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. Oh, I know. Did you, did you boot it up this week? I did. I was oh. like, this is the week. This is the week yeah, I'm going to yeah, do it. Week. Yeah. This is the week. I, I, I got nothing else I, on my plate. It's like, yep. you know, there's a little bit of a lull. I finished mm -hmm. the other games I needed to finish. I, I, here's the thing uh. about Elden Ring. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Look, I was, I was at a crossroads too. I was at Elden Ring or Death Stranding. I chose Death Stranding because I also felt that there's no way in hell this is a game for me. I cannot be right here. This is going to be my pretext to not play it at all. Thank you, Jeff, for giving me permission all episode. <laughs> I know that I know that I'm disappointing a lot of people by saying this, and, and, and for some people, they're like, "You don't even have the right to review video games if you don't, you know, if you don't play <laughs> yeah. Elden Ring." Um, and fair, you know, fair. But I. The, here's the thing that is fundamentally missing for me. Every time I boot up Elden Ring, it feels like eating my vegetables. It feels like <laughs> it feels like oh, I should do this. I there is nothing in the game, and 
I welcome all the feedback that I'm going to get by saying this. <laughs> There's nothing in the game that I am curious about. There's nothing in the game that is pulling me forward. Hmm. And I know everybody talks about this awesome emergent story that happens and all sense these cool of discovery. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Wa- Dude, that's what I love. I love yeah, that in video games. Totally. I want to be like drawn around the next corner. I I look at that world. I don't think it's beautiful. I don't think the the I'm playing it on PS5. I don't think it's beautiful. I don't, I'm not curious about it. I, I I walk around looking for something to catch my attention. To ma- like the opening cutscene is not. It's not. It's nonsense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, it's fine. Whatever. There's a lot of fantasy that is. But um, I, I'm moving through the world, and it's, and people are like, well, if you know, if you, you stymied one place, just go in a diff- different direction. I'm like, okay. But over here, like, I don't. It doesn't feel to me. And again. This may be, this is more me than the game because I'm clearly, I'm not seeing it. I, I'm doing it wrong. I admit that, but I just don't, there's no hook that is drawing me forward into the world. I'm just like, I'm going to walk forward. I'm going to get into a fight. That's going to be hard. And for what, like, what am I learning? What am I, why do I want to move forward? Why, what do I want to see? Khalif, am I completely wrong? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think it's, I think, <laughs> I think it really does feel like one of those things where you have to go into it with the most open of hearts. Yeah. And I think, I think right now, one of the things that I, that I have as a guiding force in my gaming, like life now is because it does feel like everything has a time crunch on it. Yeah. And just life right now has a time crunch on it. Yes. It's the same thing that was like with Death Stranding. Like, if you feel like it's not giving you the vibes that you need this early on, it's a, there's no, you'd lose nothing by by dipping on it. I the thing that kept me going was, and I am not a Souls born like mega fan. I'm not mm-hmm. standing for the hard game being hard, right? And this was the first Souls game that I finished. Like, actually finished it, wow. went through it. But I also don't care about lore. Like I, 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 and it's weird for a game that's like that to not care about lore. Yeah. You're really just going into it for the spectacle of, for the, for the thing that is going to try to kick your behind. And that's probably where I land. I'm like, oh, I want the challenge of learning the systems. And this game feels like it is one that is more approachable than the previous games. Now I feel like I can actually get through it and finish it. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, and there are moments of of kind of visual splendor that are there when you kind of first get into some of the larger open world spaces. Like that opens up a bunch of that for me. There is a a, a layer of that for me that's also because I'm a big horror fan. So it's like the the right. love of the grotesque is also in that is that thing for me. And I know yeah. that that just doesn't resonate with everybody. So I would yeah. say, you know, if you're ever in a spot where you're like. I want to go back and try it, try it with some friends. I mm-hmm. think that's the part that will get you maybe across the, the, the first hurdle is if you have a Sherpa who's kind of coming with you to, to help you get through some of that initial malaise, then, then I think you might find yourself giving it more of a shot, but I totally understand where you're coming from too. Like it should be a thing that should feel like it's for you, but there are hurdles to it because of just that, the way that those games come across. Yeah. No, I think that's well yeah. said. I, I mean, that's how I got into Dark Souls 2 was that I, I had friends who were like, we're going to do this together. And I never, I, in that game, I was never curious about the world. I just like, oh, it's fun to do stuff together. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing. And that's fun. And, oh, it's hard. And we got to help each other. And, oh, I'm down. Oh, you, you got to survive. That all that stuff's fun. But I've never, the aesthetic of any of the Souls games has never grabbed me. I, I don't like the menu system, the fonts, the like, all of it just feels really off-putting to me. And so just being in that space isn't desirable uh, on the, on the, sort of on the, on the most surface <laughs> superficial level. Uh, and that's, and I think I, I kind of, it always feels like homework. It feels like, it does. Oh, I gotta go and get on the website and find the right build and see the, and figure out what that thing, I just looted something. I don't know idea what it is. The game's not going to tell me. I guess no, I don't know. Why, why would go. it? <laughs> why would it? <laughs> why, why would go find him on a website. Oh, yeah. it, all of it feels like, you know, going to the dentist. It just yeah. feels like. <laughs> it's such an apt description. I feel like I'm problem solving all day long. And for me to not be able to have a functioning menu drives me absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, I, but I so want, I so envy the experience that people describe they have hearts which is which is the the greatest game of a decade you know it's like yeah i I, oh my oh my god i I want that so bad i just i don't think it's for me i just don't jeffrey how much time did you put into it not a lot i'll be honest (laughs) it's like 15 minutes no i mean more than 15 minutes (laughs) i would say i mean less than 10 hours i put in you know i probably put in a good amount of time that's that's enough i yeah i think that's admirable I, I'm, okay. I mean, it's probably more like yeah. five the game hours, doesn't open up yeah. until ten point three hours, so you just missed it. <laughs> mm. you just the missed the good part. Just missed yeah. it. Yeah, I didn't walk through that door that said "Open World" here. <laughs> it's a label. <laughs> fun time, right, right before right. that door. <laughs> <Fun>. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fun time. Uh, anyway, but I, uh, I am. Uh, the other thing that happened was like I, I, I turned off Elden Ring. I was like, well, now I really want something that I will love, and I, uh, I bought Live Alive. And I'm. Oh, I'll be yeah, talking about did. that next week because I haven't. I haven't gotten. I only finished one chapter, but I already. I already really like that game a lot. Uh, it's it's such a wonderful throwback to games I used to play as a kid. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, this game is delightful and goofy and fun. And I can't wait to see more about how I've only done one chapter. And I think I started with probably the worst chapter to start with because mm. Live Alive is is you know you, it lets you pick. Uh, from uh, I don't even remember how many characters, a bunch, a bunch of different characters that are all in a different time period. And they all have their own little bespoke story, and each of those stories, you know, is part of a larger whole. But they all take place; they're all wildly different. And so I was like, well, I might as well start chronologically. So I started in prehistory, which is like you're a caveman. Cool. And it's interesting. It, I think it's a bold choice for any video game to go. Hey, you decide where we start. You know, you decide. Yeah, yeah, how- yeah. Mm. confident. Pretty confident, yeah. Uh, and I, I would, I would guess, uh, I, having not played any of the other chapters yet, because I literally just finished the first chapter last night. Um, I would guess that's probably not the best chapter to start with because it's completely nonverbal. It's you're a caveman, so they grunt and like oh, the rest of the game has voice acting. And yeah, stuff. yeah. And uh, but it's charming. It's charming how they do it. It's actually pretty clever how they do it. And I, I really enjoy it. I'm hooked. I'm, I, I can't wait to play more of this game. And I'll, I'll talk about it in subsequent weeks, but. Um, I know you're early, but is the idea that, that there's this connective tissue between all of these different chapters and stories and somehow they all come together? That is the, that is my understanding. Okay. Uh, I, I have not seen that yet. Like, okay. Again, I, you can start a chapter and then leap to another chapter in the middle of that chapter if you want. I decided I wasn't going to do that. I was like, yeah. well, I'm just going to play all the way through this 
and then do another one. And I just started the Wild West one next. And already at the beginning of the Wild West, one, I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. I'm excited. And people are talking and not grunting. It's, it's, it's cool. But, um, but I have no idea, based on completing that prehistory chapter, the caveman chapter, there's no, I have no clue how it's going to connect to anything else. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to see how it, un- it unveils itself like that. You know, uh, that's uh live alive. And I'll be talking about it a lot more. All right, let's, um, let's carve out. We've all been playing a little VR. So I want to talk a little bit, uh, of VR talk. All right, uh, let's talk a little VR. Uh, Khalif, you have yeah. been playing a, gu- a game, a gun. I think it is a gun. <laughs> it is a gun. <laughs> it is a gun. Uh, uh, you've been playing a game I have not played. Uh, yeah. Tell me about it. Uh, so the game that I picked for this week is Mother Gunship Forge. Uh, yeah. So they previously came with a game that was on PC uh, that was not in VR. And the kind of premise is is like if you had tinker toys but you made those into guns so you right. have uh you know pieces of um uh sections of weapons that you can kind of plonk onto each other that change not only the dynamics of how those guns shoot or damage or or attributes but also you can wind up changing how they kind of react within the puzzle pieces themselves so i guess a good example would be if you had a horizontal piece that had like some lego bricks on it you could plonk on a gun that's like oh this one uh shoots at a rate that's like twice as fast and then this part has a flamethrower underneath of it you plonk that on the bottom of the weapon and you're like on the front of the weapon i want it to be a, a shotgun plonk you put another piece on the front of the weapon and you're con- constructing all these weapons while you go through these levels that are all contained within this ship Imagine you being able to do all of that plonking, TM, um, <laughs> in VR. <laughs> so now instead of doing that with a controller, you're 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 using your uh, Oculus Quest is the one that I'm using, uh, Quest Two, and and you're looking at your hand and you're manipulating the device around Ooh. and saying, mm-hmm. "Ooh, I want to take my other hand and take this weapon part, put this connected physical plonking." To it. Physical plonking. Oh, so you're man. plonking in 3D space now, but virtual Ooh. in virtual reality space. It's super fun. It has like a really cheeky um, kind of uh, writing style. So you're like you're getting all these uh, getting all these missions from this like f- fake military guy who's super, you know, uh, getting in your face about everything and giving you crap and talking to you like you're like you're a grunt. Um, but it's not from the out- real military, Khalif. I mean, you know, I, I, <laughs> like he's I, the fake military. I, the fake military. Yeah, is, is, is the yeah. military that does not scream at you. <laughs> um, and and you're going through all these levels, and you're and you're you're uh, changing your weapons, and you're building out these new guns, and you're going and making a run throughout uh, the the full length of the that part of the ship to get to a boss level, kill the boss, rinse, repeat. Um, it's it's brilliant. It's super cool. We actually have a we actually have a a gun part in the game as spawn on me, which is oh, super, rad. super fun. That's cool. Uh, oh, cool. They have this thing called gun caps and Come gun on. caps also kind of modify your weapon. And we have one that's based on our spawnies trophy. Uh, so that's you awesome. basically look like you plonk a spawnies trophy onto the front of your, front of your gun, outside of your gun. And it does a, a various thing. 
Um, it's super rad. I, I, I've been a fan of those folks' work for a long period of time. I love the mix and matchy parts of putting the guns together and seeing what they do. It definitely makes me feel like a young kid again when you're sitting in the in, at the sand table making stuff. Uh, so, so it's really cool. I, I love what they're doing with that space. That's rad. It's uh, twenty bucks. Yeah, uh, Mother so Gunship should... Forge. I might have to pick this up because uh, yeah, it's I did, cool. I'd I'd seen this game on a PC. I didn't realize they put out a VR version. That's mm-hmm. really cool. It seems like the perfect thing for VR is that tactile. Like I'm yeah. constructing something in 3D space in front of me. That's mm-hmm. rad. Yeah, uh, Mother Gunship Forge. Uh, it's a bummer that anybody that wants to get a quest right now. Uh, it's a hundred dollars more than it was a week ago. That's 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 strange. Still yeah. wild for still a, a still wild. What for a nascent market that needs all <laughs> yeah. the help it can get. Let's raise the yeah. price a hundred bucks. hundred, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, Patrick D's, you got in right before then, right? You you just picked up a, a quest too, right? Uh, I I I've had the quest actually for a little bit, uh, oh, okay. but I what I what I <clears throat> had it and then I put it in a. A, uh, a closet and almost never use it. I'm just like this VR enthusiast. I love the idea of it. And then I don't actually end up using it very much. I don't know. I don't know. There's never just been this killer app that I love, but all of this PSVR news came out this week, you know, hearing about the PSVR two. And I was like, man, it's been a minute since I booted that up. So uh, late night, I, uh, I threw it on and played uh, a little super hot. I don't have anything super interesting uh, to, to add to the discourse around super hot, but man, is that game fun? People it aren't really aware is. it's, you know, it's a it's more of a puzzle game than anything. Enemies move only when you move, and and you makes you feel like a it's a John Wick simulator. Man, that's mm. good. So if you haven't played that, pick it up. Highly recommend. And I, think, a, I feel like it's one of the most discussed VR games of all time, but for a yeah. reason. It's a, it's another game that came out not on VR first. Yeah, and it just it, even more than uh, other games like that. I feel like this was made for VR. The the whole like we don't move until you move is so much better when it's not arrow keys on a keyboard yeah, yeah. but actually mm-hmm. your arm and, moving uh is 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 pretty cool yeah and ducking to dodge a bullet just always feels cool no matter yeah. the hundredth time you're like yeah i just dodged the bullet it's the best yeah. great game but what have you um, been playing well i talked a lot about moss 2 when it came out on uh, uh psvr the, the first psvr uh just recently it came on that i think it had an exclusive exclusivity window uh, but now it has been released on Quest 2, and I am so glad for that because, uh, boy, was it uh, kind of annoying to have to dig out my PSVR again. I just and, refuse to do it anymore. Yeah. No, yeah. It's a lot of, lot, yeah. of, lot of doing. Yeah, yeah. Quest 2 so easy. You know, you just pick it up, plug it in, boom, or not plug it in, but you put it on your face. Um, plug you in. Uh, and uh, it looks great. It looks great on Quest 2. Uh, actually, having played it so recently on psvr i was actually pretty impressed with how good it looks on psvr i mean i played it on psvr attached to my playstation 4 and not not 5 and uh it looked it looked great on that um worth digging your psvr out if you have one and don't have any other vr device i, I that game moss 2 fantastic um and it is a seated experience it is a you know sit down use a controller yeah. Uh, on Quest 2, you have, you know, your hands are separated into two separate controllers, which gives you actually a lot of, um, you know, w- with the PlayStation controller, it's it's looking at the little beam of light on the back of the controller. And you do a lot of stuff in that game to, you know, grab something and move it around. And you're, you're you know, putting the controller into the VR space and grabbing things and moving them. And it just works a whole lot better with Quest's, um, you know, 
touch controllers. It's just, it, it, it's much more intuitive and better. Um, and the game looks great. It's, it's so beautiful, such a beautiful, beautiful VR game. And I love those little diorama games in VR where your, your head is inside this box of world and you look all around and you look up at the sky and you see where you are and you can lean in and see the details of stuff. And the animation of the little main character quill are so lovely and, and, um, has so much personality. It's, it's, it's a true, um, it's a true uh, VR must play, in my opinion. It, it really is a great, great, great series. Both games, Moss and Moss 2. Fantastic. I'm so yeah. excited to pick that up. Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, that's VR talk. And that is our show. We do have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. But Khalif Adams, thank you so much for being here, man. It was It's always awesome talking to you. I, uh, I miss seeing you in person. And uh, I, I, I love hanging out. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. As always, always want to give you love and, and the rest of the team some love. Always, always dope to be able to rock with you and the rest of the DLC fam. So thank you again for having me always. Absolutely. Tell folks they can keep up with you and spawn on me and all the awesome stuff you're doing. Uh, you can check out more of the Spawn of podcast on all your podcast platforms of choice. We do a live show usually on Wednesdays. I've been slacking because I have work. Who knew the nine to five <laughs> jobs would keep you from doing creative stuff that's also interesting not uh, but today. New episode, not today <laughs> uh, they don't, no one tell i'm on my lunch break uh uh but every monday you'll get a new episode from us uh putting out some good words there check us out on twitch.tv slash spawn on me 6 p.m pst uh usually wednesday nights is when you can go check that live show out and uh, we're finishing up uh more of our interviews for our something epic series we've been doing a partnered um 12 part show uh, with the friends from Epic talking to folks about games they make around uh, titles that are in the Epic Game Store. And this week, or this month, I should say, uh, we're going to be doing one around Rumbleverse, which is the, the Battle cool. Royale fighting uh, grappler game or brawler game. So we're going to be talking to them about the cool stuff they've been building. So check that stuff out as well. Right on. Very, very cool. Yeah. You're Patrick doing such Dees? good work over there. I just quickly, I just, yeah. I mean, what yeah. you're doing, Khalifa, it's fine. I mean, it's just, just awesome. I think if, if people haven't, check that out just yet for take a long look in the mirror and figuring and get your get your life together because I, I genuinely <laughs> really love what you're doing and, and uh, i'm excited to see what you do next buddy agreed you, fam appreciate you yep. agreed uh patrick d's thank you for being here i appreciate I it. Have missed uh, it and uh tell folks about all the awesome things you got cooking as well yeah yeah so we just finished a season two of fan control football which you guys were both a part of which is one of my favorite things about the, the whole experience is we all do it with friends. Um, but that is Madden in real life. That is literally seven on seven, hard hitting professional football where the outcome on the field is controlled by fans. You, you draft players, you call plays, you level up. It is very much a gamified experience of, of football. And you know, the, the parent company is called Fan Control Sports and Entertainment. And so it's only natural that we move on to the next thing. So we're building NBA Jam in real life. Um, fan Control Hoops. Uh, is coming soon. We haven't uh, made an announcement just yet, but tune in uh, each Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash FCF, or you can go to fcf.io uh, to learn more a little bit about the league and all the, the updates will, will be there. So uh, Hoops is coming. Uh, you can find me at P to the D's. Uh, I almost these days exclusively tweet about fan control stuff and video games. Yeah, awesome stuff. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm there on Thursdays on twitch.tv slash FCF uh, doing that show at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, also, that show is now available and all the back episodes are available as a podcast wherever you get podcasts. If you want to hear us 
a lot of embarrassing moments from the last two years. <laughs> a lot of fun as well. Uh, and uh, we're on uh, YouTube and Spotify, all over the place now. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, also, I do the Filmcast, which is a movie and TV re- review podcast. Uh, you can find that wherever you get podcasts as well. It's called The Filmcast. And I do We Have Concerns, which is a comedy science show well, where you can learn something and laugh along the way. Uh, it's at wehaveconcerns.com or also wherever you get podcasts. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. All right, I didn't say this before, but uh, Patrick, I'm going to take one half of yours because that was what I was planning Ooh. to talk about, actually, because I've been watching it. And I was excited to tell you about it. Yeah, um, yeah. But tell the folks what you uh, what you suggest they do uh, to get through their week. Uh, yeah, a couple. So honestly, a little bit uh, about me and and DLC. So I listen I listen to the show pretty regularly on on a run, and every time I get to the parting the the parting gift, I sing that song. And I have mine locked and loaded as if I'm participating. So every week I've just got something that is tip of my tongue. <laughs> I, so I, when you asked if I could do the show this week, I was like, hell yeah, I can do it. I've got several parting, uh, parting gifts. Uh, and I think uh, I, I want to, I've got a couple quick hitters, but the one I really want to lean into is a show called the bear on FX on Hulu. Um, and yes, chef. You know, it, it is. <laughs> yes. Yes. Chef. It, it is a show um, that, you know, if you watch the trailer about it, it's, it's, uh, it's a Chicago-based show, food-centric. It's about a chef in a kitchen. None of it appealed to me. I am not, I am an eat-to-live, not a live-to-eat kind of guy. I am not into chefs or food porn. No part of me was interested in the show, but the critical reviews just kept coming in. And more importantly, guys like, I saw Khalif tweet about it. Both you and, and, and Josh McCuga said, you have to watch the show. Uh, so I was like, all right, let's, let's see what it is. And I just want to say, I, I adore the show. It is an absolute triumph. It's sublime. I think it is a modern magic trick. And it, it is, food happens to be going on in the background, but that's not what the show is about. Um, and I love the show for everything that it's not. There's all these details and texture, you know, the, in this world that can live beyond the wrath of Chekhov, that they just, that, that's there for you to feel like you're part of this world. Um, there, you know, for, for a food metaphor, it's perfectly coursed out. I cannot recommend it enough, even if you're not into, uh, you know, chef shows or shows about eating. Um, it's incredible. And the needle drops in the show are unparalleled. I've seen yeah. shows in years, in a, in a year of television that is an absolutely crazy with the severance or severance and the boys and this flag means death and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, I cannot recommend it enough. I uh, was going to talk a little bit about From Mankind, but I'm going to let you get to it because I, 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 yeah. I genuinely think outside of Succession, that's one of the best uh, shows on television. And the last thing, uh, really quickly, for what it's worth, I love it when guests come on the show and they've got some sort of real world. Hey, by the way, don't forget about this. Um, and I had one of those this week. Uh, just remember to check in on your friends, even folks that uh, seem to be doing great and that things are, are going okay in people's lives. Uh, I checked in with a friend this, this, uh, this week that had been having a rough go of it. And I think it did us both a lot of good. So check on your friends, be a good friend, reach out, tell them you love them, and uh, don't, don't let too much time go by. Oh, That's and great. happy birthday two ends one t jeffrey canada thank you sir i appreciate yeah. that <laughs> yes i i uh i i totally um well i agree with, with everything you said uh, the bear is awesome but also uh checking on your friends i i uh, this last weekend i went to a funeral uh for my friend's uh very very good friend's sister uh who um passed away from uh brain cancer uh very young and you know it, it reminded me that we all have uh 
too too few hours on this planet yeah. and uh it, it you know how we can yep. connect and touch each other's lives it's uh that's the most important thing so i think that's a very good thing to remind us all this you know we can get in our ruts we can get in our little worlds yeah. and forget to check in on people and i think that's it's it's great to do that mm-hmm. Khalif, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week I mean, you both took two of the really great ones. Dang it. <laughs> um, I, I, one one uh, thing that I did watch this week that came back and brought me both good and not great memories was the Highlander TV series. Oh, wow. Okay. Weirdly, again, this is what happens when you're, you're home and live in Portland uh, and it's late. <laughs> um, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, <laughs> but Wando kind of flipping channels and was like, oh, wait a minute. The Highlander TV series that had uh, Chris Lambert in it and also uh, another guy who I can never remember his name, who was the main actor. And it just brought back so many good 80s, early, I'm sorry, late 80s, early 90s memories of what television used to be like <laughs> uh, and, and, and what TV series used to be. It's like really fuzzy cameras and <laughs> no one was in HD and like seeing uh, uh, uh uh, seeing stunt stunt people not get out of frame fast enough, like all of that stuff is so yeah. brilliant and cheesy and great. It just really reminded me of, you know, how far we come from a media landscape and and just how short again, like what time is right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is one of those things that I think we consistently forget about is you know when we think about all the things that we're doing in our day to day everything is moving at light speed, literally yeah. at light speed. And we're missing so many good things because a lot of folks are worried about all the things that don't matter. And really just seeing that really stupid show <laughs> that was not good made me reflect on that. And that was a great moment for the, for the week. So I would say again, in, in the same vein of checking in on your friends, check in with yourself. Like now's That's a good great. time to do a little yeah. bit of that self audit. Take that Amen. time to think about where you are and take that time to think about, again, what, what you end the show with every every episode of, of how you treat each other. So, I mean, that means a lot. And then and I hope the Highlander has given me that <laughs> moment this week. So, That's awesome. I love, I love watching shows that, that, you know, were never intended to be in HD. You know, they just yes. never thought yes. you would ever see the detail yep. on anything. Yep. You know? yep. <laughs> it's very, very funny. Yep. Uh, the Paramount Plus has a uh, friend turn me on to this. Uh, it has like a bunch of old vintage uh, MTV shows on them. Oh, really? Oh, that is Whoa. a rabbit hole to go down. Like I old bet. episodes, like the first season of Yo MTV Raps. Oh. And yeah, dude, I'm serious. And like Headbangers Ball. And what? It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I was like, <sighs> oh my God, going down memory lane on those. Jeez. Cool. Uh, but I did want to steal uh, Patrick Deez's uh, uh, other parting gift because you're the reason that I uh, actually went back to the show. It's called for all mankind. Uh, Season three is in full swing. I am not there yet. I just completed season two. Yes. Yes. Uh, Binge the heck out of season two. I love the show. It is a slow burn. So very buckle up. I started the show when it first aired on, on Apple TV plus. And uh, I fell off of it because like the first couple of episodes are really slow. It's, it's yep. like, uh, I was into this, I, I, you know, the, it's a sci-fi idea. The idea for all mankind is what if the Russians got to the moon first? How would that change history? And this show posits that it would change it by, we would never take the foot off the gas of space. 
because we were constantly trying to play catch up. And so we would actually get going to the moon faster. We'd get bases on the moon. We'd maybe get to Mars faster, all those things. Um, so it's basically like, how do we become a science fiction series, but start in the real world and like building blocks towards sci-fi. But ultimately what the show is even more about is the people behind all those decisions. And it spends a lot of time at like, you know, family dinners and dates and, you know, it's, it's, it's very much a people show. Um, and so I, I didn't have tons of patience for that at first, but Patrick, you were like, you know, this is one of the best shows on TV. You got it. You got to do it. You got to watch it. So I give it another chance, got through season one. The end of season one is incredible. It totally makes all that slow burn payoff. Yes. And I think the same is true for season two. I, I didn't find season two to be quite as slow as season one, but man, the ending is another just banger of uh, a finale that the end of season two, the final episode is like incredible, incredible. I think, I think it was vanity fair. That's actually season two finale was what got me into the series. Cause I'd read a review saying it's one of the best episodes of television of all time, like on par with battle of the bastards from game of Thrones. Mm. I'm like, okay, show let's see what you got. I was like, prove. Yeah. I want to prove this wrong. And, And it just, it just was, it's all set up to just point some meticulous setup all season, all season, all season, all season, and it's, they just fire all of the guns at the end. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, so I highly recommend For All Mankind and, and you know, stick with it. it, it like, it, it is one of those shows that, that rewards your commitment to it. And now yeah. I can't wait to start season three, which has been going, Ooh. I think is almost done, right? Um, At least half, yeah, probably. Yeah. We're eight, yeah. I think eight episodes in I saw last night. Wow. It's one of my uh, very good friends is on that show, actually, which is yeah. even more embarrassing that I didn't get to it until now. But uh, I went to college with the guy who plays Bill, the the the, the yeah. NASA um, comms specialist guy. Anyway, He's got oh, a big role right. in season three. He's killing it. Oh, so, great. Yeah. I think about that season. every time he has a scene. I, I emailed him uh, after um, – I saw that there's an episode in season two where he has this great monologue, like explaining mm-hmm. like, his past. I was like, yes. Oh my God, you're awesome, dude. You're awesome. Anyway, for all mankind. There you go. Uh, we have a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to DLC feedback at gmail.com. It comes from um, Imari. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly uh, from Finland. Uh, Limari uh, who writes, um, uh, Jeff has mentioned loving small diorama worlds in video games. I mentioned that this week with regard to Moss too. Uh, <laughs> there's a YouTube channel you should check out called Flurde, F-L-U-R-D-E-H. It has beautiful tilt shift style isometric perspective videos made from all kinds of video games, mainly from open world games where NPCs live their small little lives in their beautiful world. Sounds awesome. Uh, thank you for your great podcast. Been listening from the beginning and even many years before your when your show had different names. Uh, thank you, uh, Lamari. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, that sounds awesome. Again, the uh, YouTube channel is called Flurda, F-L-U-R-D-E-H. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Patrick Dees and Khalif Adams for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Our theme song was composed by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. I also have to thank our patrons. All of our patrons are awesome. But in particular, our hype train level patrons get a shout out at the end of every episode. So here that is now. 
It is time for me to thank our hype train patrons who help make this show, paid DLC, the video versions, and also, yes, this very show, the main DLC show, so possible. Thank you to each and every one of you. Thank you, Jason Novak, Octavian Ratziu, Christian Bravery, Jad, Peter Olberg, Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, the Spiceman Silencer, Albert Verheel de Dios, Jonathan Spiceman Forever, Shep Lafur, Stu Goss. Kevin Brazel, Ben, Dan Palmino, Malcolm King, Mark Gowland, Jonathan Putney, Will with 1L Harris, Chris Zacharias, Jonathan Talbert, Scooby Diesel, Adam Demby, Sasan, Dan Flanagan, Anthony Goulos, Andy Joyce, Matt Valdez, John Sisko, Taylor Wigert, Josh Peake, Nick Strauss-Klein, Michael Stadler, Jackson, Travis, Soren Silk, yeah, thank you for that parting gift this week as well. Awesome. Big fan of the library here. Kids and I love it, love it, love it. Uh, comedy, 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 drama, Bob Odenkirk's book. Got that at my local library. Zachary White, Nate, Jenny, Scott Hughes, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mitchell Ness, Jeff Luxack, Matt Bradley, Victor Venezuela, Cheesy Bob, Hank Patton, Rob Rixman, Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Michael S., Relentless Rex, Curtis from Louisville, comedian Aaron Trahan. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.